The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you guys about the MLB Roto Baller Challenge, hosted by our friends at Fantrax on Fantrax.com. Fantrax is the most customizable free fantasy baseball platform in the industry, and that's why we're hosting over our 2022 Roto Baller Challenge over on Fantrax. If you want the greatest fantasy experiments, sign up for a free Roto Baller Challenge team today by going to rotoballer.com backslash challenge. All leagues are free to join, and you get to compete against Roto Baller writers and readers for a shot at $500 cash grand prize. All new Fantrax users get entered into a free giveaway to win a signed official MLB Wander Franco jersey. If you want to get entered to win a Wander Franco jersey and you're new to Fantrax, go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba and sign up for your free Fantrax account today. Once you have your Fantrax account, go to rotoballer.com backslash challenge to join the challenge league. But go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba to create your Fantrax account. Be entered to win a Wander Franco autographed jersey. But for now, welcome to Benched with Bubba. back everybody to the second episode of Bubba and the Bloom. Um, we're going to talk about some fab for the week because that starts this week everybody on Sunday. So we'll get you ready for that. Tons of awesome listener questions. Got some recent news that we're going to want to dig into because it's uh, kind of important stuff. But uh, you can find me on Twitter at BDentric and the Bloom portion of Bubba and the Bloom on Twitter at Ryan BHQ. Ryan Bloomfield, how we doing my friend? Doing pretty good, Bubba. Uh, sur- survival day on the home front. We were chatting before, but have have two little guys at home sick with me today. But everyone's healthy, got through the day okay, and I'm ready to absolutely talk some baseball. One week from opening day, and like you said, fab this weekend. It's like, oh man, now we need to start to switch from draft mode to, yeah. to in-season mode. So um, that's happening, and it's happening quick. Do you have any more drafts you're planning to do? You, like, you have a main event, don't you? 
I've got a main event. I've got three more drafts. So I've okay. got the Worf League, which is the Pacific Northwest, I guess, uh, writers and analysts league uh, tomorrow night, Friday night. And then I've got my home league or my home league, my family league, which is how I got into fantasy baseball like almost 20 years ago. Nice. It's an ESPN points league with uh, kind of the, the guys in my family. I've got my aunt in there. It's 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 a it's a blast. That's Sunday night. And then main event wednesday night the night before opening day that's what i did last year uh was like the last draft before opening day and it was it was a blast i'm going to go back to that well this year just to try and avoid any possible last minute injuries so yeah wednesday wednesday's the the final exam uh yeah there's there's news every day it seems like in tonight's news we'll start off with jacob grum injured already like we knew he was already probably hurt going into the season but we saw the bullpens that looked really really good and we're sitting there going okay this works this is this is good but now it says uh he has a tight right shoulder says buck showalter he will likely be scratched from his schedule start tomorrow which is friday and will likely go for tests so a lot of likelies because that's the way the mets do things but um it, it was one of those as i saw him pitch i was kind of mad i didn't have any shares up till now and now it's like one of those maybe for the better thing. So what's your thoughts on this? Because obviously he could get, get a test and just could be some like inflammation like Wheeler had and he'll be fine. Or this could be a bad deal. Yeah. I mean, it was just a week ago we were talking, we were kind of flabbergasted that DeGrom went sixth. And then I made the prediction that he might even go first overall in Vegas, which he ended up not, but um, it, it's crazy how the roller coaster of rostering Jacob DeGrom can be. So yeah, like we're recording this Thursday night and then all we have so far is just that, that shoulder tightness. It is kind of deja vu, right? And then the, mm-hmm. this is kind of what you sign up for with DeGrom and, you know, you hope he's just delayed from opening day and, and he'll be back on the mound in two, three weeks and doing DeGrom things. Uh, people who rostered him last year are used to that. Um, that's kind of the emotional roller coaster of having, and that's kind of the best case scenario. The worst case is it's something else. So we'll see what the MRI comes back on Friday, but, um, um, it's, it's tough news. We're definitely not in the clear with the ground, despite the, you know, the spring training sexiness that, that we saw his first two starts or his first two appearances. And, uh, it's just a reminder that, you know, you can come out throwing gas and again, touch on this last week, um, even in, in short inning stints and, and it looks great. The videos look great, but uh, but a lot of these underlying issues just don't don't go away with some with some good spring training appearances. So um, still still off to Grom. It'll be interesting to see where he goes in uh, in main events uh, coming up. So I, he'll definitely fall. It'll be interesting to see how far how far yeah. he falls because there are still folks who are going to want to want to take. Hundred percent, because like even uh, our buddy Vlad Sedler, he did an OC on Wednesday and posted his team. He took to Grom in round two. And he's like, I'm just hoping for 100 innings. 100. Yep. All he wants is 100 innings of the ground, which is still like very Elite. much. Impl- I mean, this is yeah. this is this could be a, a severe. And it's Twitter. Everything's an overreaction. Yep. I mean, 100, 120, 140 could still be a play. It just we'll see. We don't have enough info right now, but but yeah, it's um uh, I don't know. My my mental health is not in that in that space <laughs> where I can where I can take a whole season of having to grab on my team and trying to keep up with all this. Yeah, I'll have enough problems of my own to deal with yes. throughout the season. And um, the thing with the Grom is with this injury, you can pretty much lock in. He's going to miss the first week or two of the season for sure. Because no matter what he does, he has to ramp back up and they'll slow play it. So you got that. It'll be interesting to see if he kind of falls in that Tatis range. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Like, do you, do you take your Tatis chance like you do with the Grom? So 
we'll wait and see there. Uh, another free agent everyone's been talking about, like, where's Michael Conforto? What's going on with Michael Conforto? Well, it turns out he injured his shoulder in, like, December. And uh, Scott Boris came out talking about that. So he's rehabbing that. He start, he's starting to swing regularly now, which tells you a lot. Is he just off the board for you now? Yeah, I mean, especially if you have to stash Conforto. You don't know when he'll sign. Um, the, I mean, reading between the lines, and Boris isn't going to come out and say, yeah, his shoulder's real bad. Uh, the the kind of spin on it was, oh, we're just going to wait and showcase Conforto until he's you know fully healthy. It's just a little bit of a delay. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. I mean, it all makes sense now in retrospect, right? And that that you know what happened to Conforto? Why didn't he sign? And and now we know. So yeah, pretty much off my board right now. I don't think unless you've got a super deep bench or, um, I mean, you can't even put him in an IL yeah, slot. He's, he's just IL. a free agent, so you have to stash him. And so yeah, I, I hope hope he's good. Hope he's better. We'll see when he signs. But it does not sound good. It doesn't sound imminent either. No, not at all. Uh, a couple other pieces of news here. You, you, I saw your tweet earlier today because I forgot all about it. Tim Anderson will be suspended for the first two games of the season, which uh, shortens his week. And obviously it's not going to stop you from drafting Tim Anderson. But I think the, the take home is make sure you got another shortstop to start for the first few days. That'd be my two cents maybe. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about kind of schedules and, and whatnot this and start planning for the first period um, with the fab segment. But but yeah, Chicago's off on opening day and then Anderson will be suspended Friday and Saturday. So you're only getting one game um, in weekly leagues from Tim Anderson. So, yeah, have have some alternatives in mind when you do fab uh, this weekend. The funny thing is, man, like, yeah, I mean, we we're both super in on Tim Anderson and I took him in labor, uh, taking him in a few spots. And it's just like I for as much time as we spend on fantasy baseball and try and keep up with everything. I listen to all kinds of podcasts, read articles, totally forgot that this even happened. I saw the I saw the blurb that says, um, you know, that said Tim Anderson's suspension has been reduced from three to two. And I'm like, suspension. Oh, yeah, that's right. And so, like, yeah, like it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't affect his draft stock. Um, it's just two games, but, but yeah, just have that ready. But it is funny how, how much attention we pay and even stuff like this slips through the cracks. Cause I haven't heard even on other podcasts, I, I haven't heard about the suspension from, from anyone else out there. So it's yeah. kind of out of the blue and something I think we all totally forgot about. Yeah, it was kind of mums the word. That's the way it feels to me. So that was kind of a, a surprise there for sure. Um, this didn't happen yet. It might not happen, but it seemed like there's some pretty good momentum there. I just want to get your thoughts in case it happens like when we're done recording. Um, Brian Reynolds, there's some uh, – the, the Padres are heavily interested in Brian Reynolds, and it comes down to kind of what pitchers will go to Pittsburgh is what it sounds like in the mix here. But a couple questions. They needed another outfielder with injuries because right now they didn't really love the idea of Grisham being the only center fielder on the roster. And secondly, with the need for an outfield, it looks like C.J. Abrams is going to make the team and play the outfield or the infield. That might kind of uh, put a bugaboo on that. So what's kind of your take on the potential of Reynolds going to San Diego and the aftermath, basically? Yeah, I think uh, – I don't know. We'll, we'll see if it even happens. It definitely it, – it's it would stink for Pirates fans. I mean, they've already written off – this season for sure. And just, and it kind of, I don't know, it just kind of drives that final nail in the coffin. Like you kind of, they're not competing anyway. So it makes sense for them to, to get rid of Reynolds um, in terms of the fallout for San Diego. Yeah. It would take an outfield spot. Um, could definitely take up CJ. Abrams. could be, 
could be a potential knock for someone like Will Myers, who has platooned in the past. So um, there's a lot of bodies in San Diego's outfield. Reynolds, obviously, if he got traded, would start. I think Grisham would start. So I think like Will Myers or maybe Abrams would be impacted if Abrams does, in fact, make the team. And it, and, and it does sound like that's going to happen. We're, we're hearing about all these prospects that are getting sent down right about now. So I think we'll know in these next couple of days if Abrams is going to make the team. But um, yeah, it would, it would certainly muddy, muddy the outfield waters from a fantasy sense for San Diego, but the trade makes sense. Uh, the rumor trade makes sense because San Diego is kind of going all in and contending this year while, while Pittsburgh is um, pretty so, much the exact everything. opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned some prospects are getting uh, sent down right now, and a couple that we've known of Josh Lowe, Jose Miranda, Trevor M. Lenz of Kansas City, um, O'Neill Cruz of Pittsburgh. Right now, Julio Rodriguez and company are still up. Um, if you did draft these guys, say in a deep league, uh, are you dropping them? Is it a 12-team only drop? Like, how are you approaching this come this first fab period? I think the only one I would I would think about keeping is O'Neal Cruz. Um, I just don't know how long. I, I, I think you had Jeff on, Jeff Erickson on, on on Tuesday on the show, and we're talking maybe maybe two weeks is the is the estimate. Could be longer, um, but I, I would at least leave you. If you, if you don't have a glaring need and you don't have an obvious drop, I would leave O'Neill Cruz and, and stash him. The other guys, I didn't think Melendez would would make the team. They they kind of play Kansas City played him around a little bit in the in the field and it didn't really work out. So it, it Sal Perez is kind of stuck there and and Melendez, you know, maybe with DH if he comes up, but I, I don't think he's worth stashing, especially like an NFBC. You don't want to hold a third catcher like that. So um, pretty much all those guys and, and, and low for uh, Tampa Bay doesn't surprise me at all. I wouldn't be surprised if see if we don't see him until at least mid season. And generally with these prospects in an NFBC type format, if you, if you genuinely think it's more than like two or three weeks, I think you need to cut bait, especially because none of these guys, except for Cruz are really top flight. Um, low would be in there, but I, I, I think he's going to be um, a midseason call up. So I, I think pretty much any of these guys, as the injuries start to pile up elsewhere on your roster, you can't afford too many of these stashes. And so I would, uh, I'd be aggressive with your drops um, with these folks this weekend. Yeah, no doubt about it. And guys like we we feel like Julio Rodriguez and, and Riley Green and these guys are making the team. So cross your fingers like uh, Ryan said earlier. We should find out for sure, I'd say, in the coming days. So something to think about. Um, one more piece of news here. Hunter Green did make the Reds rotation. It's uh, going to be the fifth starter uh, the first time around. Any interest? Does he like move up your boards? Is it one of those like he's still young, you're not really super invested? What's your thoughts on Hunter Green? I'm excited. It's exciting to see Cincinnati actually do that for, you know, the fire sale that they've had so far this uh, compressed preseason. It's nice of them to kind of be aggressive and and, and bring up green. I, I'm definitely interested. Um, love the fastball. It's kind of sits 90 upper nineties. Uh, Chris blessing wrote, wrote up green for, for baseball HQ in the minor league baseball analyst and uh, the slider is just dominant. So that the, the ultimately the third pitch is going to be what makes her break screen, at least in the short term, um, long term, he's a, he's a great asset, but will that, uh, will that change up be good enough at present for, for green to get by? Um, that's the risk, but at, at the very least, he's a, he's an elite two pitch guy and it sounds like Cincinnati's going to let him go. So the park isn't great. The division is. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm seeing green go, 
in a in a reasonable spot in drafts where you don't really have too much to lose if it doesn't work out. So um, I'm he's definitely somebody who I'm tracking along with. Maybe some of the guys we'll talk about in Fab, um, like a Mackenzie Gore type. It's a it's an interesting group to be in. Yeah, most definitely. Let's talk Fab. Let's get to Fab because that last piece of news there. We have a listener question on that later, so we will hit on him in a bit. So we'll talk Fab. We'll, we'll talk some pitchers. We'll talk some hitters. Uh, Ryan made a, a nice uh, sheet here. It's basically using TGFBI, less than 60% uh, owned players. Uh, and then he has them in ADP based on the main event. So we have ownership in uh, a, a TGFBI main event a, to kind of gauge on. Because obviously when we drafted TGFBI, February, if, it was a long time ago. So um, there's going to be a lot of guys that have gotten steam here that are going to be available. And that might happen for a lot more people that did some early drafting as well. So, the guy that's on the top here is a great one to talk about. He was impressively drafted in almost 60% of TGFB line leagues. But Mitch Keller, um, main ADP of 322. The dude's been crushing it in the spring with the velocity and everything else. This is going to be a fun one to see how much he goes for. It's like I would recommend not breaking the bank for Mitch Keller. It is Mitch Keller, but definitely worth a look, don't you think? Oh, absolutely worth a look. Um, not, not worth, like you said, not worth breaking the bank. But if you've got, I don't know, maybe – five to 10% of your fab budget, maybe 5%. Um, that's something where I'd be interested in Mitch Keller. Um, I mean, you just, you cannot ignore the prospect pedigree with what we've seen in spring. And so like, I was kind of a sucker. I took Mitch Keller in the last round of labor, like 29th round in early February. And that was all based on him throwing like 101 in a, in a, in a video. It's not something that I would normally do, but it was the last round and whatever. Uh, Mitch Keller has carried forward that that momentum and increase in velocity, not just on the fastball, but all of his pitches. So that uh, body of work that we've seen in spring, and that's the type of thing that is actionable, I think, in spring training is that kind of per pitch stuff. Is the stuff improving? Is the velocity improving? Is the per pitch type metrics like your swinging strike rate, um, your chase rates, your your CSW, your called swing, your called or swinging strikes? Uh, that's the stuff I'm looking at, and Keller. Keller passes those tests with flying colors. And then on top of that, like I said, you've got the pedigree. This is somebody who I just think back to like Tyler Glass now, who was, you know, in Pittsburgh and kind of kind of tumbled there and, and didn't uh, take off until he went to Tampa. But um, it's a new regime in Pittsburgh now. And I, I kind of get those vibes of like a super post type guy who um, is starting to turn things around. And again, if it doesn't work out, like I said, maybe five percent of your, or your fab budget, I think it's worth taking a stab at him. Yeah, I think it definitely is. And there's not going to be a whole lot of guys to break the bank for. You'll have a few yeah. throughout this because it's a long season, folks. But uh, yep. you'll definitely want to churn and burn because you probably drafted guys that are out for the season now or aren't going to make a team. There's gonna be, You're going to have holes. Like, go back and look at some rosters you drafted. You're like, oh, no. Or, or, or retired. We had uh, – yeah. so this is like – and that's the point of this. We're not normally going to do fab episodes on but it's because it's so um kind of irrelevant by sunday but like so many leagues drafted during the lockout and even like first pitch arizona uh we had an auction league and the first fab i'm i'm running that uh for for hq the first fab is this sunday and my my dad was in the league and he drafted buster posey who who has <laughs> since retired yep. so it's not even just uh just injured guys it's guys who have, who have since retired from from baseball back from October. So like in a league like that, um, I mean, this first fab period, even though there's not like a whole lot, especially on the hitter side, I think it's kind yeah. of thin and I'll share these boards probably on, on Friday at some point, I'll, I'll tweet them out. But, um, but you, yeah, it's almost like a kind of a second draft for some of these leagues that went real early. So 
like I, I say don't break the bank, but if you're going to, it's probably for guys that might be closing. That might be a thing if you if you're hurting for saves. If you you drafted, you're like, well, my specs didn't work out so well. So here we are. Well, you got some new specs. Daniel Hudson only rostered in 16% of leagues, ADP at 354. And you got guys like Chris Stratton down here. Yep. Um, and you'll probably have a few more Brewster Gratterall is basically uh, only 3% rostered. So how would you approach uh, those reliever types? For me, Hudson would be like my main target, but they're all going to have a nice little share of uh, the pie, I think. Yeah, Hudson would be the main target for me too, but not to the point where I'm breaking any kind of bank. I think the general theme that that I think we need to take away from this fab period is, uh, and again, every league is different, but the TGFBI is is at least, it's a 15-teamer and 60% owned. So like it, this, I, th- I hope, is reasonable um enough for the different types of leaks out there but um I, I don't see anyone worth breaking the bank for on, on closers at all i would i would definitely recommend throwing out a couple feelers since there are a few like like bubba like you said with um with hudson with michael gibbons um throw a couple feelers out there see if anyone slips through the cracks but i wouldn't break the bank but yeah uh, hudson would be my top guy it, we'll see if it's him or tanner rainey um or sorry not not rainey i uh, we'll see what he what he does in la just because with with trying in i don't know if that will be a committee it sounds like it will be um which kind of sucks for early robbers drafters but um yeah. We'll see. Um, Hudson, I, I I would be aggressive, but not uh, not too much, just because we don't we don't really have that. Uh, it's it's still going to be a committee out there. And then um, I know we had a listener question. We can hit on it a little bit of it now, probably and, and more later. But a lot of this fab period should also be used for taking advantage of scheduling, as you kind of hinted at earlier. Um, like you can you can get a couple guys. Like if the rotation plan still if that changes about a week of spring training to go. But like Zach Eflin potentially could be a two-star guy the following week. Dylan Bundy could. Um, you got like uh, JT Brubaker. There's a handful of other options here. Madison Bumgarner even could be a guy. He was only rostered in 42% of TGFBI leagues. Uh, Jake Rizzi's now in the rotation. So are, how are you filling your, your holes for this? Would you rather go for these two-star guys and potential matchups, or are you looking for maybe a guy you think like a one of these young arms, which we can talk about, like a brash or a gore that might be more of a long-term hope type thing. So the biggest thing I'm looking for this weekend is just number of games. So it looks like most teams are, are at three. I don't think anyone has less than that, but there's, there's some that are four. Um, so on the hitter side, every game counts, every counting stat counts. So if you've got, um, if you've got hitters on a, on a four game schedule, that that's going to matter. We've got at Colorado, which again, it's, it's early in the season. So who knows what the weather will be out there. One thing I'm looking at is looking ahead to the following week too. So like, um, you talked about Brash Bubba, the, the, like the kind of the fourth and fifth starters, like for example, um, those guys are going to get two start weeks perhaps next week. So like, for example, St. Louis, um, I'll, I'll, I'll shy away from actual names at this point because we don't know what the rotations are going to settle out, but St. Louis, um, plays Pittsburgh next Monday. And so their fourth or perhaps fifth starter is going to get a two-step starting with Pittsburgh starting on Monday and then 
going. Uh, looks like they're going to Milwaukee in the second half of next week. But those fourth and fifth starters, you if you can have them and look ahead to the following week for Monday, um, that's a nice opportunity to get pick up an early two start, especially against some weaker competition. Atlanta, for example, is facing Washington in uh, the beginning half of next week. The other big important thing for this week is, again, if you have those fourth and fifth starters, they're not going to probably pitch at all until early next week. So um, you want to look, and, and if you have room for middle relievers or anyone who can kind of pick up a vulture win or even just get you an inning or two of decent ratios and a couple strikeouts, like that kind of stuff, when you build it up over time, uh, that stuff matters. So those are the two big things I'm looking for, for, for stashing kind of late rotation guys for next week, but then also backfilling that if you've got enough roster space with middle relievers for this first kind of Thursday through Sunday run. Yeah. But besides just the, uh, if your guys aren't starting just to have somebody in the, the on your roster, as you mentioned, but a lot of these guys aren't going deep. So you're going to get a lot of extra relievers in games. They're going, they got 20 man, 28 man rosters right now. So like the Dodgers even said they're trying to decide if they want 15 or 16 pitchers. Um, so it's going to be deep with relief options. That's where like we talked about it before. Colin McHugh could become interesting all of a sudden because, you know, he could be a long man that could sneak out a win. Um, but there's every team's got him. And so kind of look into uh, some reliever lists. Uh, every website's got it. So I don't want to plug them all. But like you have reliever recon, Rotowire, HQ, they all have like different reliever uh, list and you don't look like the seven, the eighth and ninth inning guys. Go look at the sixth and seventh inning guys. Go see what you can do there. You can get them for like a buck and then drop them next week and just use them for the weekend. Maybe they get two appearances, get you like three Ks, somehow sneak out a win or something. You'd be happier than happy. So or, yeah, look, look yep. at those. Or even your swingman types. Like, and yeah. I think that's going to extend beyond the first week. Like, It'll be a I couple read weeks a, for sure. Yeah. Like, I read a thing on Blake Snell today, and, and it was, you know, not to single out Snell. He didn't pitch that well, but, you know, whatever. It was his first start of the, the season or the spring training. And the blurb, I think it was on NBC Sports Edge, said basically he's not going to be going five innings for at least his first couple starts. And that's, that's not just a, a down thing on Blake Snell. I think that's going to be really common because the, with the compressed spring training, I mean, this is kind of like 2020 all over again, at least for this part, not everything else, but um, we're going to see shorter stints from starters these first few, uh, these first few weeks. So if I have one kind of takeaway for, for, for you folks listening is, is take a look at your starting pitchers and just go through and see how many innings they've thrown this spring have they made more than one start have they made more than two starts how long are those outings because that's going to have an impact especially like kind of your lower end rotation guys that's going to have an impact on how far they go these first couple starts in the regular season and obviously hurt their chances for wins so um i think that yeah like kind of the christian javier types those those long long men the the transition guys in the bullpen are going to be super valuable um, these first few weeks just because of yeah, like the expanded rosters and having so much more uh, pitching heavy rosters on every team pretty much this this first month of the season. Yeah, there's some really interesting names. You look for swingmen. Uh, you mentioned uh, Javier. You got McHugh, AJ Puck could be a long guy they've talked about. Yep. Uh, like Brent Suter, all the wins he had last year for Milwaukee. That could happen again for the first couple of weeks. Uh, Seth Lugo has been great for that in his career. That's one thing he does very well. So there's a handful of those guys. You wouldn't be shocked if they put together some run for you in these early weeks where you're trying to mix and match to, to fill things out. Um, you even have Nick Martinez on this list, you know, rostered in 58% of leagues. He's not guaranteed a spot in the rotation, but if he isn't, he'll be one of the swingmen. You can look at that. So you could see him paired with Snell on those starts easily. 
uh, in situations like that. So that that is quite intriguing to look at here. Um, any other pitchers like you have Ryan Yarborough, his velocity's up, so that's intriguing. People that could be something. He's rostered only twenty three percent of leagues, so that could be that's like, that, there's a different guy where it's like okay, we're looking at maybe two star guys, swingman types. Yarbrough is a guy we've seen do it for a full season, and then we saw everything just disappear for a season. So it's one of those if that velocity's back up, we might get the guy we saw like back in what two thousand nineteen. We were just like, wow, this is good. So are you like? Like if your team doesn't have a drastic need per se, would you be going more for the Yarbroughs or would you be going more for these two-star guys? How would you kind of look at your team? Um, I'd, 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 I'm really interested in what Yarborough is doing. So I, I'd lean more Yarborough just in that case, just because we have the track record of Yarborough having pretty elite control. And then the difference for Yarborough is like, yeah, like going upper 80s, 88 to, to low 90s, around 90. That's a huge difference for for his velocity. Um, so I'm glad you point him out. Yarborough is definitely someone who, if he's available, um, you definitely want to target. I, I, in AL Tout Wars, he was a reserve pick for me. And so I'm pretty thrilled about that. Um, another guy, and I, I briefly mentioned him last week, but we also got a question from uh, one of the one of the listeners is, is Michael Waka, who has been on all kinds of uh, bloom boards this draft season. So Waka, now that he seemingly has a, um, a rotation spot all sewn up with uh, with Boston, I think that's going to be a real big boon for him. Waka in the second half last year, he was one of the top gainers. So this was a board I put out in early January. Um, Waka was, has the fifth highest gain in strikeout minus walk rate from first to second half. And a lot of times the projection systems are not going to pick up on stuff like that. No. And he paired that jump in, in strikeout minus walk rate with a pitch mix change with more changeups for, for walk in the second half. So that's just an example of a guy who I think kind of quietly turned things around in season and now has a role and is somewhat available in a lot of these leagues. So um, that's definitely someone who I would target. One of my favorite targets is uh is in a, a scenario like uh, the Walker you just mentioned, and that's Cal Quantrill. He's not available in a lot of leagues, but he had the second half improvements that the K to walk, the pitch make, stuff like that. So that's a uh, pretty awesome stuff as well. Uh, any other pitchers here? Like we, there's the Gores, there's the Brashers, the young guys that you know you might put a bid in for Sunday night, and they might get cut or sent down on Tuesday or Wednesday. So it's like you got to kind of maybe put a five percenter out there, but I wouldn't go crazy at the same time. We saw how good McKenzie Gore is, and he could make a massive difference in a, in a rotation. So it's, it's a tricky spot to be in, knowing that it could go up in flames within like 48 hours. I was just going to say, like, Gore is the one. So so we had a question on Brash, and I would throw in like a buck or two on Brash. Um, I think for, for Seattle, he's he's got – Really good stuff. I don't know, like you said, Bubba, he could be he could be down in Tacoma next week, but um, there's at least a chance it's not going to cost you anything. The thing with Gore, that's yeah, like at, again, at this point, we don't know if he has a rotation spot. He's making a hell of a case for San Diego to go to a six man rotation, yeah. um, and if that does happen, or there's an injury, or I don't know, like like Snell gets delayed or pushed back or whatever. Um, there's going to be some interesting bids for Mackenzie Gore because similar to the pedigree, the, the, the velocity, the, the spring training results and a lot of in-person scouting reports that say this looks like a totally new guy and in a good way. Um, so I would be um, willing to open up the wallet a little bit on Mackenzie Gore. If I know that he has a rotation spot by Sunday, if he doesn't, I'm, I'm dialing it back a little bit. 
Yeah, stay very, very close to the news. So that's yes. all I have to say is, and um, one thing that Twitter is the cesspool that it is, it can be utilized very well in a quick search button. You can just type in Mackenzie Gore and you will get all kinds of stuff. You have to navigate through the trash, but you'll find the news in there as well. And I do it all the time. Like if I do it I, all the time. You something... can also, you can search and then you can also, there's a little filter by people you follow. And yeah. unless you, <laughs> depending on who you follow, it filters True. out the trash. <laughs> True. Yeah, there's Some uh, of the and, trash. And then uh, I, I think Curlin put together like a beat writer group you can join. It just has yeah. all beat writers in it. Um, like go, I think it's Kevin AC or RC. I think he's your San Diego guy. Just go, go follow him. You'll be fine. Um, but that kind of does it for the pitchers here. Let's talk some bats. And like you mentioned, it's not like great, great. Like Jake Fraley, obviously new, 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 uh, new team. Still questionable not fans there. Like where does Fraley slot in there? A week ago, we were all about it. You got Christian Walker, who's crushing baseballs. Uh, you got your, your A's guys that, that might get all kinds of run now that when drafts were taking place, not so much. So let's just kind of kick it off with um, like Christian Walker is an interesting one because he's going free or almost undrafted in some leagues. And in last year was not great, but now he's bounced back in a big way. If you need a corner infield guy, maybe you have Brandon Belt and now you don't know what you're doing because he doesn't know what he's doing with his knee. So are you going after a guy like Christian Walker hoping these uh, spring training gains continue? Yeah, I mean, in like in, in labor, for example, I've got uh, Evan Longoria at corner. So yeah. Christian Walker is absolutely someone who I would be looking at uh, just because he looks he looks pretty good so far. And yes, like you're you're kind of fading the dip that was 2021, uh, which was, yeah, like a pretty terrible season, hitting 244 with 10 homers in four and one at bats. But you look at the 2019 track record, the 2020 track record, like this is a lot better hitter than what we saw. And in 2021, he's still just his age 31 season. So I'm not saying Christian Walker is going to break out, but he's going to play pretty much every day on a pretty bad Arizona team. And when you're looking at Fab and you're just trying to fill some holes with bodies, uh, Christian Walker is easily the top corner infielder and, yeah, top infielder in general for me um, in this Fab run. Yeah, I, I've – I've told many people on, on like recap shows of our season from last year and Walker was a guy I was heavily invested in going into last season. I thought there was legit things there and it just yeah. not, not so much. So there was reason to think that though. I mean, two, yeah. like I said, two straight years of, of pretty good, not just results, but underlying skills too. Yeah, um, just he still owns that. Yeah. That, that's, and we're seeing it right now. So that's yeah. why I, I'm intrigued as well. I'm with you on that one. Uh, we, I mentioned Jake Fraley. You got Fraley guys like uh, other outfits like Peralta, Aaron Hicks, who, I'm honestly shocked. Only 42%. He was like a huge target of mine early in draft season just because he's on the Yankees. He's going to play. Like that one surprised me a bit. Um, you know, Gavin Sheets, only utility only now, but he might go get out for the eligibility pretty soon. Matt Veerling got traded. Or no, he didn't get traded. Halsey got traded, giving Matt Veerling potentially a job. So what are some of these outfielders that, that stand out to you in a, a position where starting five of them and there's a good chance somebody on your roster is not where they, you thought they'd be right about now? Yeah, I was also surprised by the Aaron Hicks thing. Um, I mean, the, the big knock, obviously, with Hicks is health, but he's at least healthy right now. So mm-hmm. worst case is, you know, he gets hurt in a couple weeks and then, then and then he's a drop. But he's he's healthy heading into opening day and thus he has a starting mm-hmm. gig. And we're projecting at HQ even in, in part time duty uh, just because we're kind of assuming an injury in his projection over the full season, but uh, we're projecting 20 homers, seven steals, uh, 233 batting average, which isn't that great, but um, Aaron Hicks might be able to get you so, some bombs and bags and in that lineup uh, some counting stats. So 
as long as Aaron Hicks is healthy and available, I think he's a fine fifth outfielder and even in 12s. Um, I think uh, as long as he's playing and, and you need somebody to fill in the outfield, he's one of the few who stands out, especially like Jake Fraley. So we go by, I mean, this is going by the main event ADP. Fraley's going the earliest technically in, in mains with that 375. I just don't know how much, uh, how many plate appearances you're going to get out of Fraley. I think long term for the whole season, I'd probably take Fraley over Aaron Hicks. I just don't know these first couple of weeks. Um, a, if Fraley has a regular gig, whereas um, Aaron Hicks definitely does until he gets hurt. Yeah, I'm with you. Like the Yankees, they got Boston and then Toronto and then at Baltimore at Detroit. So nice little starting point there for, yeah. for Hick company. I know Boston and Toronto are teams, but you know, you got some hittable guys in there. Toronto, if it's projected correct, Manoa, Kikuchi, Barrios, and Gossman is not a fun four days. But um, give me that Baltimore series. Hicks might have a lot of fun there. That's for sure. Um, a couple other guys here. Jose Iglesias, obviously, wasn't even on a team when we drafted. Now he's a starting shortstop for the Colorado Rockies, which becomes quite intriguing. Like most people still probably scoff at the name Jose Iglesias. But let's be real. He's going to play every day. Half his games in Colorado. There's going to be viability for that as a middle infielder on some deep leagues. So, uh, you looking to maybe snag a guy like Jose Iglesias, or you rather go for a, a veteran like Didi Gregorius before Bryson Stott maybe pushes him out of the way? Uh, probably I'm not that high on Iglesias, just but especially early season. I mean, we think Coors, but Coors in April can be can be pretty rough, can True. be pretty pretty, pretty blustery. Um, the 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 Good monthly point. park factors for Coors I think get overlooked a lot. The, the once once the weather heats up in the summer, it's a it's an elite park um, when it's snowing in April. Not so much. Um, one guy who, who sticks out at least by the HQ projections. And this was funny because in, in Tower Wars, we've got, there's a 12 team AL league and there are four baseball HQers in uh, Tower Wars. In Patrick Cabot, Doug Dennis, oh, and Chris Blessing. Um, and a lot of us are using Roto Lab and looking at, at HQ projections and Kevin Smith is yeah. someone who the HQ projections absolutely love. We've got Kevin Smith in 338 at-bats, projected for 12 homers and 11 steals. Um, that's that's really good. We love the power-speed combo for Kevin Smith. Chris Blessing has some reservations about Kevin Smith's ability to stick, even on a, um, a shaky Oakland lineup uh, this season long-term. But if Kevin Smith has an everyday gig, that's somebody, too, who – I would be at least at least putting in um, a modest bid for to see what happens. Age 26 guy does not have much major league experience, but um, like I said, the projections at HQ are, are super rosy on Kevin Smith. So that's another guy who, uh, if you need if you need steals and who doesn't, um, that's someone who could chip in a bag or two this 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 first week. Yeah, he, he's very intriguing because he's got that power speed in the minors. They showcased pretty pretty good so yep. far this. This spring and 25 plate appearances, he's got a double and a homer. He's hitting 250, stolen base, 5Ks. Honestly, I take that pretty positively, only five strikeouts. I'm like, okay, we could work with that. He's young. Let's see what happens there. So um, that is definitely something we could uh, – you know, his opponent quality is about 7.4, so close to, you know, double-A, triple-A guys he's facing. Um, so I'm with you Which there. Which is a if, really cool – Stat, yep. by the way, not to cut you off, but the uh, uh, opponent quality, that's baseball reference, I believe, yep. is where yep. that where that Great. comes from. And that's, yeah, that's super useful because you can't just look at a stat line and, and see who it came against, especially early in spring. There's some there's some names out there that, 
that, that level of competition is you're you know facing equivalent to double a sometimes so it's important yep. to uh to check that out so baseball reference uh glad you mentioned that bubba that's that's, yeah. that's something that's very at very helpful to like you said let you know are they hitting single a pitchers or at least you know yep. competent are, are they starting games or getting the cleanup duty is that what we're getting here um but the other guy if you are looking for third base like you mentioned longo longo's gonna be out for a while maybe a third baseman uh kevin smith fits that mold but another guy you have on this list, and I, I, I know I grabbed him as like a third or fourth catcher on a lot of DCs, uh, is Andy Abanez of the Texas Rangers. And I think it's just interesting for the fact that there's been some beat report. I think it was Levi Walker of the Athletic uh, was talking to like the hitting coach for the Rangers, and they said if he can, they said if Abanez can just play consistently defensively, that's their concern. He's hit at every level we've ever had him at. They're not concerned about that. So as long as he can play defense there's a great chance he is your everyday third baseman in Texas. Like when that, when the whole thing went down when they're moving guys around IKF and everything, it was like, okay, is it going to be Solak? Uh, is it going to be this? Cause they weren't going to bring anybody in when John got hurt. Well, it looks like it's going to be Andy Abanez. And we've seen some pros and cons a little t- bit in the bigs, but a ton in the minors. So he's a guy that, that also, if you, if you can't get Kevin Smith, you maybe just want to spend a buck or two. Like you could probably get Abanez pretty cheap unless you got some really, really savvy people in your league. So I just wanted to highlight him. I think he's a, a really good one to, to target in this one. Yep. And the forecaster, we gave Ibanez an upside of, uh, of a 280 batting average and 25 home runs. So, um, I mean, that's, that's not our base projection by any means, but that's kind of, if a couple of things go right and he does fall into playing time and has the skills to, to deliver a plus batting average, that's a great call. And yeah, as of today, he is our starting third baseman in Texas as well. And it's a name that no one really talks about, and I don't think will cost you more than a buck or two um, mm-hmm. in your in your thing. So there's definitely like if there's a spot to be hurt, or if there's a if, if there's a spot you need, corner infields it with Walker, with Ibanez, um, and with Kevin Smith. Like and and you can set up. And I know this is kind of maybe this is basic for some folks, but set up especially like in NFBC, it's got a really great interface for Fab where you can set up conditional bids. And, you know, maybe you walk, maybe you have Walker first for um, five or 10 bucks on a thousand budget. And then you can conditional down to Kevin Smith or Bonias to like two or one or, or whatever you want to do. Um, but, but that's important to do as well as in NFBC to kind of conditional it down. And it'll give you the, uh, the one you want in the order that you get, as long as it's the most money. And I, I did want to mention, because I like we've referenced, you know, long ago or injured guys or something. It's also say you drafted a dude that all of a sudden is like the fourth or fifth outfielder, like just and you you don't have a need for like an Ambanias or a Walker right now. It's still better to stash them than the other person. So it's like the old the old idea of don't be afraid to drop a guy just because he quote unquote still has a job. Well, his job might not be worth a whole lot. Where Walker's going to start every day, Ambanias might start every day. So these guys can slide right on in barring an injury in like an NFBC formats when you can do your offense from Monday through Thursday and Friday through Sunday. You'd be surprised how often you mix those guys in and out. Um, even just looking at um, the opening schedule, it's like a th- almost a third of the league doesn't play on Thursday. So if you're yeah, drafting really late bummer. and you want to get real crafty, you could legit just draft like with your late picks, guys that play on Thursday. Start them that one day and then change your whole lineup for Friday through Sunday. So like it, it sounds silly, but Ryan's smirking because he knows what I'm talking about. You just get those little at-bats if that guy goes one for four with like two RBIs and a run scored you'd be surprised that that little bit can make a difference as like the season goes along. So I wanted my, to bring that up to when I was looking at the schedule. Yep. I mean, me cashing in my main event last year came down to Rysel Iglesias in a meaningful game against Seattle. I, this is why I remember this so vividly is because there was so much on the line. 
um, came down to that final inning. So like, yes. And that's part of the, I mean, that that's not part of, that is the grind of, you know, everyone says the grind of fab and fantasy baseball, it's a humbling sport, but like the more you can kind of grind out each additional game and at bat over the course of a season, that, that stuff adds up uh, big time. So, yeah. Cause it, it sounds silly to many. It sounded silly for me for a long time, but like the last like X amount of years where I started playing a little more in FBC and seeing kind of how it works uh, and these, the way your, your lineup construction and everything, I thought, you know, innings, everyone goes, it's all about innings pitched and plate appearances. Like you said, I'm like, ah, oh, silly. Like, why do I want these bad plate appearances? It's just like, okay, well, he's, he might affect your average, but what he can do in other areas, it like, it all adds up in the end. And you'd be surprised. You, and you, you hear guys like Rob DiPietro and others talk about it because they really dig into like league winners and stuff. And they'll tell you exactly like where this person finished in plate appearances. And like, they don't even care about the other stats those guys all finish pretty high for the yep. most part. And there's a reason for it. So it's the grind as Ryan said, and it's not for everybody. Cause I, I know I, I feel that at many times, but if you can put it together, it's pretty strong. We've got like Seth Brown, uh, Garrett Cooper. You got some catchers and Higashioka, Ryan Jeffers, uh, anybody else you're looking to really target on this first fab period. Cause like you mentioned hitter hitters wise, it's not the, the greatest thing. It's maybe just kind of mix and match some holes. Yep. No, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, no, no one else. Uh, yeah. I'm like, maybe we've, we've got like Steven Kwan who's 440 ADP right now in that, in the outfield potentially playing for the guardians, but even, even that is not a, a sure thing. So um, yeah, the general takeaway, like, yeah, if you need a catcher, like, I mean, and you drafted a retired Buster Posey, <laughs> Um, like, yeah, you need to fill the hole with somebody, but like, uh, yeah, Higashioka or, or Jeffers, I wouldn't spend any more than kind of the minimum just to, just to hope you squeeze an extra game or two out of it. Um, don't do not go too aggressive on, on, on these guys this early, just because there's, uh, plenty of fab madness to come this season. I think the moral of the story is, is unless we miss someone or something random happens in the next week. There's not a lot of guys to break the bank for, so don't be crazy. Like if you somehow don't get Mackenzie Gore, if he comes back to, to ruin your season, well, that probably was just not meant to be, is the way I'd look at it. You're gonna need those bullets throughout the season. So don't go throwing them out early on these. Use these to kind of just fill in the blanks until something really serious happens. The the lesson of Julian Merriweather. Yeah, that's uh oh, I can go on a whole saves lessons all day long. It's a it's a learning thing. A very, very yeah, you learn from your, your mistakes. Let's put it that way. To be fair, that's a totally different example. That was someone who we thought we thought had the role for yeah. Toronto and um, well, he technically did, was then he got hurt. So. Like he, he, he didn't lose like the that. job because of performance. He lost it because he got hurt. And <laughs> so. and yeah, and th- there is no one like that uh in this. No. in this fab especially for closers no, it's all speculative stuff it's nothing locked in yeah. stone as you said unless we get new news so pay attention to the news folks maybe someone maybe dave roberts flat out goes daniel hudson is my guy and then you're mm-hmm. like okay now we're spending money now we go <laughs> so yep. pay attention to that uh let's get some listener questions here because you guys kicked butt on this again like keep them coming all the time but whole camels at size cease ass and it, you kind of hit on it already so i guess we don't really have to go too deep into it but any upside with Michael Walker? I remember him showing up on bloom boards before you, you uh, before, but can't remember which. So you mentioned the K to walks, the pitch mix change. Um, where say we don't have a draft yet. Like say they say they say they're still drafting. Like you have some coming up. I have a couple OCs still to go. Um, his main event ADP right now is three ninety six. Yep. How much would you jump him? 
Um, I would jump. So 396 is like the 26th round. I'd go, I'd probably go like 23rd, 24th, just to make sure I get him. Okay. Um, wouldn't, wouldn't go too much earlier just because at that point you're still trying to fill out your, your starting roster. Um, but yeah, something like that is, is where I jump, uh, somebody like Waka. Man, if it, if this is the rotation we see to start the season, which it probably should be with Boston, and you might have said it already, I apologize, but he could get at Detroit that Monday and then at home versus Minnesota. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Wow. And and he like, probably, you probably will. said that, get... so I apologize, but man, no. I just saw it, I saw it in front of me. I'm like, oh my god. No, goodness. I didn't. No, you're you're good. Cause yeah, that's exactly what's gonna happen. He gets to miss, Walker gets to miss those three games at because I believe Walker's gonna be the fourth starter. And again, this yeah, if he's is the fourth, he gets that Monday, Sunday. Yep. yep. So he could go Monday, Sunday at Detroit versus Minnesota and skip the Yankees. So like, I don't know, maybe that's a really good point. Maybe I do go an extra round earlier just because of that, uh, of that, that sexy two step in week two. That's a, that's a really good point. Yeah. Like I'm in a slow draft right now around like 27. I might need to go see if Michael Walk is sitting there still. <laughs> that might be one. I need to go peruse for a minute. Cause I will enjoy that two step. Uh, Joe, Patelski asked at Sturge Clerg. This was the other news question I was going to mention, but we left it here. Josh Harrison, what is his upside now that he has a full-time – they announced him as a starting second baseman. And I already loved him because he's second base, third base, outfield. So you get middle, corner, outfield eligibility, which is a unicorn almost. And Harrison's pretty darn good. Like he's not elite, but he's a very, very serviceable ball player. So um, I like him a lot. What are your projections are uh, saying with a guy like Josh Harrison? Uh, projections for HQ are strong. So we are projecting a full-time role for Harrison, not not just because he is the starter at, at, at second base, but like you said, Bubba, he can play everywhere. So we've got him projected for some time at basically every infield position except catcher and then a little bit in outfield as well. So we've got him at 15 homers, 11 steals, and a 270 batting average. And so – that's, you know, modest five category production in a Chicago lineup that is that is really strong. Like, like granted, Harrison's going to hit towards the bottom of that lineup as he should. Um, but I expect them to score some runs and turn that lineup over enough to where Harrison gets a pretty good amount of uh, at bats. And, yeah, the skills are are, are fine. Like the, the strikeout rate is elite, actually, for mm-hmm. for Harrison. The power was down on the surface last year, a 5% homer to fly ball rate, which is super low. Um, but our power metrics at HQ were almost league average, which would which would put that homer to fly uh, at least double, so at least up to ten percent. Um, if you know all all luck context um, taken into account, so so yes, Josh Harrison for that reason is is I I, I really you know he's not a, he's not a breakout guy, but he's somebody who is going to be super useful throughout the season for not only being balanced from a position standpoint, but also being balanced from a category standpoint. So um, I paid, I believe 10 bucks for Harrison in AL labor, just because I figured when they signed him, he would get the job over Lurie Garcia and looks like that happened. So um, yeah, like not, not, not a guy that's going to win your league or whatever. I kind of feel like he's kind of the old, like the new, like Estrubal Cabrera, who no one really mm-hmm. talks about him, but he just puts up production, puts up $10, $15 production at zero cost. So um, yeah, love that. Love that landing spot. Love the versatility and love the category versatility as well. Yeah, he's an Estrubal Cabrera, Ben's over his type. Not going to knock your socks off, but he's going to be pretty darn solid. And he's, he's projected to hit the bottom of the order, but 
maybe he starts to lead off the first two games with Timmy Anderson out. We'll see how that one plays out too. That could be fun to sneak out a couple more at bats. Um, Joe had another question. Dark horse save candidates. He's got Alex Langs, Anthony Dominguez, Spencer Strider. Um, man, I don't have a lot of dark horse save candidates to be honest with you. Like Art Warren, but he's not a dark horse. But he's like he's most of my guys are pretty much talked about for me. Unless you, I Emilio Pagan's one I'm starting to fall in love with. Let's put it that uh, way. <laughs> uh, speaking of deja vu, uh, about a year ago now, where we all thought Emilio Pagan was the mm-hmm. guy, and, and he's not. Um, so Joe, no, I know Joe knows the and and Joe used to write for HQ um, back in the day, but I know Joe knows Texas bullpen really well. That's somewhere where I would I would be interested. It doesn't sound like it's going to be Barlow. It sounds like no. it might be some combination of like Spencer Patton or maybe like Greg Holland. As I Holland is back up again. It's mouth. crazy. It's ridiculous. He just keeps coming back. He's like I a, know. I he's know. Like a gremlin. Um, maybe if you're going to take a stab at at one of those guys. Um, outside of that, the San Diego bullpen would be another place where I'd at least try and target just because that's a team that's going to win. And I, I don't know if it's going to be a committee. I just think we haven't, you know, they haven't tipped their hand. And and so Bubba, you mentioned Pagan, another guy would be, and we, I think we talked about him a little bit last week was Robert Suarez. It sounds like it's down to those two guys. Um, I was reading Greg Jewett's reliever recon um, updates this uh, earlier today. And, and, and his team had mentioned that. So I'd take a stab at maybe like a Robert Suarez or a Pagan, or maybe both if it's cheap enough and you can kind of hedge both of those guys, just because that is a bullpen that I would want to be in on. And I do think there's an inkling, even though there are a lot of guys in the mix, I don't know if it'll necessarily be a committee. I feel like they might just pick a guy and, and go with him until uh, either performance or injury. So um, those are two guys, Suarez and Pagani. Those do. two for sure. And then a couple more that as I'm staring at uh, Greg's closers charts here. Um, one I drafted a lot of late round shares of in DCs is Nick Sandlin from Cleveland. If God forbid something happens to Emmanuel Colossae, Sandlin can be sneaky interesting in that role. And then the other one, because Deadpool hitter, Mr. Pietro himself, has been all over him. Keep an eye on Hector Neris in Houston mm-hmm. with the Presley concerns. Um, and like they've mentioned, he's paid, they paid him a lot of money. So Hector Neris could be one you could get basically free right now. And that's one that could he's – got, he's got closing experience, so that would not shock me one bit. Presley's velocity has been down. And I know Presley, like this time last year, Presley, there were spring training concerns. He had had like no one had actually heard from him. He was just, yeah, he was just hiding in the backfield. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he turned out to be fine. Um, but whatever. I mean, if you take a stab and Hector Neris, it doesn't work out, just cut, move on. And I mean, that's that's the life of of speculating for saves. So, um, yeah, definitely like Hector Neris, especially with that team. Um, you know, Houston, there should be plenty of of save ops if something happened to to presley doesn't sound too concerned but of course that's what the spin's gonna be so we'll, we'll see we'll see what he looks like in his next start here or his next appearance uh will garofalo has two questions for us so we'll kick it off with the first one here it's a good question because we all have our different inadequacies as i'll say what's your biggest challenge in season as a manager i've got a resolution man <laughs> i really resolve to not stare at my phone every night and watch live scoring it is addicting and how often do you get yelled at for that because i get it often all the time (laughs) i cannot turn off my phone i can't not watch it i know it's meaningless i know i have no control over it 
but I cannot get that little MLB app off my phone and wait till the next freaking dot shows up in the strike zone. In play play run shows up and (laughs) that like 30 seconds after in play run shows up. And then between when that shows up and when the actual result of the play is, is like the craziest 30 seconds of any addicted fantasy baseball player. So uh, my biggest weakness to get back to Will's question is the thing I want to avoid is to do that easier said than done. Like if I spent half the time prepping fab as I do tracking live scoring, something again, I have no control over. um, I would be a lot better fantasy player than I am. So that's my thing is I want to try to, I know it's not going to work. I know it's not going to happen, but I want to try and control the things I can control and avoid Mm -hmm. the things I can't, which is kind of a life lesson too, but in fantasy as well. Um, but yeah, you'll see me, uh, I'll be, you know, Saturday night, I'll be on the couch sitting there and kids will be down and I'll have MLB game day up. I know I will. Oh yeah. We all do. We're all guilty of it. It's the only reason why I pay the extra like nine 99 so I can get the live scoring fee. I I do it every year. It's clockwork, but, um, yeah, it's what we do. It's our, it's our addiction. I guess it's, it's, there's worse addictions out there. Let's put it that way. But, um, yeah, that's a good one. And you kind of hit on the correlation there is. I say it every year and it's still like a, just a mystery. I would need, I want to become better at fab, like, like the extra time into it to find like the things we talked about, go get those guys for extra plate appearances. Hey, this guy's got, you know, four games in the beginning of the week that are going to be huge. Or, you know, in next week, these guys are in Coors, like little things like that, get it, get ahead of the game. So you can really make a big difference. Cause you hear some of these guys talk about it and they, there's reasons these guys win a lot is they're on stuff like that like crazy it helps that they have their own little chat groups of like four of them that are always messaging each other with you hear about these super groups but uh that would be something for like you talk about just phil so he he tells you how he looks at stuff almost like a month out sometimes the dude's a, literally a robot it's insane so i'd love to be like a quarter of that possibly the, i mean yeah the thing i'll add to that too is not just to focus more on fab but focus on like your fab process especially like now especially we have i know we've got fab coming up this sunday but it's a relatively light run and who knows what the week after will be but we'll only have what three games to go off of so next week's run probably a little bit more action but maybe not too much so we had in this moment we have two to three weeks that you're not going to have during the season um to just kind of sit back and think you know what data do i want to look at for fab what does my process want to be and at least um try and put something like that in place as opposed to it's kind of that work smarter not harder kind of thing where um you know you're kind of in fab you're kind of just trying to survive every week but now we've got that we've got that two to three week window where you can kind of sit back most of your drafts are done think about what your in-season process is going to be um and try and and try and fine-tune that right now before we really get into that grind with like the april uh kind of mid-april fat periods is what i would add to that as well good point very very good point um he also asked what is your favorite post 380p player this draft season Ooh. um i gotta pull up my sheet that's a good question 300 i always think like I always have trouble equating 300 or 400, 300 to like an actual round. Um, so I'm trying to think like which rounds I go. I don't know. Do you well, have, be post, have post, be post round, it'd be post round 20 because 150 post round 20 or 15 or. Yeah. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm scrolling through post 380 P's. 
I, I think I have a lot of uh, Moustakis for some reason. I was very bullish on Moustakis, but um, man, this is there's some interesting ones here. I'd say um, one that might burn me now as things have changed, but if you want to talk about um, shares, look at this one. I have a lot of shares. Tony Kemp. Love Tony Kemp. Mm-hmm. Leading off for the A's. Super late. Outfield second base. I do have a lot of shares of Tony Kemp. I'm even, I've been drafting him late in 12s right now just for the flexibility late in the draft because I, I believe he could be a, a kind of sneaky good 15-ish homer guy with 15-plus uh, steals. Like it, it could be an interesting combo there from uh, Tony Kemp. I'll go a pitching side, a couple guys. I'm uh, going a little bit earlier than 300, but whatever. Huascar um, Noah for Atlanta is someone who I'm, I'm really on. And again, looking at the looking at the schedule, he is someone who might line up. If he's the fifth starter with Atlanta, he might line up to face Washington next Monday. Um, another guy who I who has looked good this spring. Um, hope it hope it works out for just a feel good story. But Carlos Carrasco, I know he's kind of awesome, rising man. up boards right now and is within the top three hundred. But um, that's someone who I'm really targeting. Um, kind of that mid late rotation as well, just because the uh, you know that 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 ace is still lives within him. It's just can he get the volume? And so far this spring, it's it's been really good for him. Yeah, I don't know why I've kind of just zoned out on him. I guess I've been burned so much in the past, but I've always been a huge cookie fan. Always yep. a big cookie fan. The dude's awesome. So rooting for him, that's for sure. Uh, the Doc, Mike Carter, asks, what pitcher do you have the most shares of this year? Um, The most, actually, so far the most. And I don't know if this is the right way to do it because it's earlier in drafts, but Trevor Rogers is tied for the most. Um, I have been, and I've said this multiple times, but, my general strategy this year has been to wait a little bit on starting pitching and go like that sixth, seventh round before taking my my first starter and then going early SP2, SP3 to make up for it. Uh, Trevor Rogers has been an integral part of that plan and um, has looked really good this spring so far. So um, that part is good. He's kind of flashed a, a slider. I think he made pitching ninja earlier today. Um, in addition to that fastball changeup combo, which is one of the best in baseball. So Trevor Rogers is uh, one of my more highly rostered guys, which again, um, you kind of want to not, you know, you want to <laughs> diversify late in the draft and not early, but uh, we'll see how Mr. Rogers uh, treats me this year. Yeah, I pulled up my player shares page, and uh, I'm not surprised by this, but we'll see how well this pans out. But my most rostered pitcher is Dane Dunning. I have a lot of Dane Dunning shares. SP, hey, Michael Simeone actually tweeted out good things about him today, so you know that makes you feel a little better about life. But I love the baby steps he took last year as the Rangers basically babied him for like four to five innings every start. But they already said they're going to let him go this year. Um, the strikeout stuff is pretty darn solid. It's just a matter of putting it all together. And he he looked to get better and better as the season went on. Great ballpark to pitch in. Super late in drafts. So I've taken a lot of chances on a guy like Dane Dunning, too, hopefully. People will forget that um, he was a part of that uh, Giolito trade mm-hmm. uh, for Chris Sale. So uh, let's not forget that one either. So I'll take my chances on Dane Dunning. Like uh, Mike Carter also said, who are your uh, most shares, your hitters with the most shares? Uh, uh, hitter most shares. Let's see what I got. Charlie Blackman. <laughs> I like that. Not surprisingly. Like that. Not surprisingly. Like I've been a Charlie Blackman guy for forever, but the price is super cheap this year. And so, uh, I mean, the thing with Blackman is like it's a profile that, 
you know, there's, it's kind of a dime or dozen. He's, he's not going to run anymore, but, but if you are getting speed early, which I think is the play this year, um, there's a, there's a bunch of those guys late and, and Charlie Blackman, I think the average, I think he's going to hit high in Colorado's lineup, which is still a fine lineup. And Chris mm-hmm. Bryant's there. Like, like, I, I think that'll work out fine. And just the, uh, the skills are still there. Yes. He's in decline. Yes. He's getting older, but I can see, Blackman hitting over 280 with like 25 homers and going in the 17th round, driving um, like 90 runs and scoring yep. like 75. Well, yeah, <laughs> and getting like 600 over 600 plate appearances. Yep. That's someone who just like as people go up, other folks fall. And Charlie Blackman is just that kind of boring veteran. That's someone who uh, I'm not surprised I have the most shares of right now. Yeah, he's one of those guys that I didn't start the draft season on him, but the more I researched, the more I talked through things, I've slowly been adding him quite a bit in my later drafts. I'm with you 100%. I, I'm, I don't mind the boring player, so I'm all aboard that train. If you want to talk boring players, I'll get my top two share guys because one's on 58%, one's on 53% of my leagues, and they coincide on the same ball club. So sadly, I'm going to be watching a lot of Tigers games this year. <laughs> so my most rostered hitter is Robbie Grossman. Because okay. I want that power speed combo. Yep. Late. And he's still, I'm actually kind of surprised how late he's going for how much people pay for speed. Like, do I expect 2020? That's probably pushing it. But you can easily get 15 15, I think, with him with the upside to go 2020, which at his ADP is pretty solid. The other guy I have is his teammate, Jonathan Scope, who I am in love with because he hits, for, he hits for a 270, 280 average almost every single season, 20 plus home runs every single season. He's going to play every day, first base, second base eligible. Um, so I'm a sucker for those two guys later in drafts. As you like for roster construction purposes, they just like fit the mold for me at least very well. And I'll sadly be watching a lot of Tigers games this year. I don't think there's a weirder like career path than Robbie Grossman and mm-hmm. stolen bases. Like had pretty much 20 career steals through his first like six seasons. Now those were partial seasons or whatever. Uh, but now that he's age 32, he's had 20, 37 steals in his last three seasons with a stolen base success rate over 8% in each of the last two seasons in his 30s. Like that is Crazy. bizarre. Um, but but yeah, I see why. I mean, he's Grossman's going at a point in the draft where speed, like there are not really any speed guys and Grossman's not going to hurt you um, in power for sure. He's not going to hurt your counting stats. He'll hurt you a little bit in batting average, but. Um, but yeah, that makes sense. Again, not a sexy guy, mm-hmm. um, boring veteran going later, but going to rack up plate appearances. I mean, we just described Charlie Blackman, like yeah. this is a similar type guy, just with more, more speed, less batting average. Definitely. Um, some guy named Justin Mason asked, why is Cedric Mullins the best? <laughs> I can't answer that because he's not only Justin can. He's, Justin can. he's in the eye of the beholder, as they say, Justin. So I can't help you. Fascinated to see what Mullen says this year. Like, yeah, I, I am too. Cause I have, I have a couple shares. If I got, if he fell late third, early fourth, I'm like, okay, I'll take my chances. But yep. I was never paying that second round price. He was getting early on. Never. Yep. And I know like, away. I mean, the, we're, the fantasy community is smart. Like no one, no one's projecting 30 30 no very few are even projecting 25 25 so like we're smart and we we know regressions probably coming it's just uh it's this this is always the toughest thing to crack for me is when you do have these kind of one-year breakout guys where the skills basically completely back everything up and you had the um kind of the the change in going away from switch hitter so like i am just i i don't have any of cedric mullins but 
I'm just fascinated to see what happens to him this year. It's going to be, uh, yeah, going to be fascinating. And Justin just needs to not draft Cedric Mullins and wait and draft Joe Adele. That's what he needs to do. <laughs> that's that's the answer. But uh, we'll wait and see on that. Um, Jay Mitz asks Matt Brash, does he win the AL Rookie of the Year? I don't think so. I don't think so. But not with, not with the guys that are coming up with that swing of bat right now. I don't think so. I think his teammate might, but yeah. um, yeah. but but I don't think Brash. That mm-hmm. said, I mean we were t- we talked about Brash in the in the Fab segment. Looks really good right now. Worth a worth a buck or two in Fab, and in the off chance he makes the rotation because the stuff is there. Our the prospect guys at HQ are are all over Brash and have been for a little while. So um, a little bit under the radar, but yeah, um, someone who I'm 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 going to be putting on some conditional bids this weekend for sure. Yeah, I think uh, Julio, Riley Green, Bobby Witt. I think they have the upper hand on that one, but uh, yeah, I'm with you. Brash could be fun. Uh, Drew I, I, at Fru- yeah, I think it'll be Julio. I think it'll be yeah. Julio. I would love it to be Julio because I started drafting him pretty aggressively like two weeks ago, and I'm like, oh, it's starting to happen. Like once it's like the bugs, later, yeah, yeah, the like the later we go into spring training, the longer he's on the team. Yeah, then I started getting confidence. Happening. I usually never draft prospects. I'm like, I'm not going to play the game. But this one all of a sudden looked like, okay, this is happening. Like <laughs> this is happening here. Hey, we have a guy that just missed us answering a Cedric Mullins question. Justin Mason entered the chat. He mm-hmm. says, "Hey guys." So, uh, yeah, Justin, we don't know about Cedric Mullins. Can't help you there. We don't even know who he is. Um, but Drew asks, "Any hitters or pitchers with good good early season schedules that you like?" Um, we hit on some two star guys earlier. Yeah, we hit on a couple two star guys. Uh, a couple Cincinnati actually is going their first. Their first series is away, so they start with four at Atlanta, which for their lefties is probably okay, but that's a tough staff. And then they get four at or two at home against Cleveland, then four at um, LA, which is going to be brutal. Um, so that's kind of a tough, and especially for for a team that uh, is so ballpark dependent, um, that's a tough start for Cincinnati. Um, the Marlins have a decent. Um, hitter schedule at San Francisco, which I'd never thought I would say, uh, but that park's a lot more hitter friendly. And then a couple at the angels and then the following week against uh, Philadelphia. Um, so that's, that's not too bad either. Uh, Pittsburgh actually had goes to, goes to St. Louis and then two at home against Chicago and then four at home against Washington. So like Pittsburgh hitters next week, is our, our hitters and there will be Pittsburgh hitters available on most waiver wires. Um, those are guys that you might want to plan for, for next week. It's a seven game week against, um, against two pretty bad rotations. So, uh, those are a couple that stood out to me. No, those make a lot of sense. Um, you could always look at, uh, you got the Padres bats. If they are out there anywhere, maybe CJ Abrams makes a starting spot or something, but you got those Arizona games coming up. The giants after is not the best. We got, that opening series of the opening weekend against Arizona could be a, a juicy one. Bumgarner, Merrill Kelly, an injured Zach Gallon, Luke Weaver, who left with an injury. Who knows who they're throwing out there? That could be a, a fun one as well. Um, next up, we have a few more questions to go here. JLD asks, thoughts on Jesus Sanchez? Yeah. Um I I I like I I like him. I and it sounds like Sanchez is he's going to play every day. The arrows trending up is what we what we put uh, in the forecast. We had 24 home runs last year between AAA and the majors. And so yeah, like the strikeouts 
are an issue. Uh, 66% contact rate is is not that great, um, but the power is legit. I think there's a little bit of speed. He didn't run last year at all, but um, I think there's some of that there. And I think he can hit, repeat, maybe 250. So at, at Jesus Sanchez's uh, ADP, like right around, I believe, 200, Let's see in mains. I think he's at yeah 235. Um, so he's going at a point in the draft where you're just kind of filling out your outfield. And for somebody who um, definitely held his own and is in his first go around against major league pitching, especially with the hard contact, that's someone who's in his age 24 season. You know, these guys can grow very quickly. It's not it's not linear, so there could be some growth there as well. I would like to see the the strikeout rate improve. It, it actually went up even more in the second half. So that's one little. One little thing against him, but um, but the raw power looks great. and He's going to play every day. Yeah, I'm with you there. Going to hit fifth or sixth in that Miami Marlins lineup that's actually improved it's with Abasel and, and Soler and stuff. So it, it's not a bad little spot to be in. And I do agree with something you mentioned there. I think there's more speed than we saw last year. I think it is there. So you might sneak into like eight to eight-ish steals maybe. I'm not going to say ten. That's like a, a, a bar to cross. Maybe eight-ish, which – at that point, it's pretty nice with 25 jacks. So you can play with that. Matt Olson, not the Matt Olson, but Matt Olson at Moles 10 asks, in a salary keeper league, same each team keeps seven to 10 players with inflation. How much do you pay up in the auction or target cheap bargains? In my opinion, cheap bargains are good for future keeper value and or better in-season trade bait. So do you approach, like, do you, you try to pay a little extra for the cheaper bargains so you can use them later, basically, or do you just pay up and get studs? Yeah, so we had our uh, so I'm in a home homekeeper league here in Oregon. It's a it's a seven by seven league. It's crazy categories. I always say every year we need to get back down to five by five, but it's seven by seven. Whatever, it's fun. It's a great group. Uh, we had our auction last weekend, and it's a similar type structure where it's auction, and then you um, can keep and sign guys at contracts based on what you bought them for at the auction. Um, I'm very much a proponent of going stars and scrubs. There's there's super inflation on the keepers. Like I, I spent, I think $52 on George Springer. Um, I mean, that's, that's what it's the, the inflation, Rotolab the had him at sure. 60 with, with inflation. So, yeah. and the category, again, categories is a little different. Like walks is one of the categories and, um, and, and stuff like that. But just an example, like I go very heavy stars and scrubs because like George Springer, I'm not going to keep next year at 50. Like I got to have to keep them for like 55 bucks or whatever the following year. But I try and backfill those inflated guys with the one two dollar um, end game auction guys, just because if those hit, I can sign those guys to three year contracts at one dollar, then two, then three, and you kind of hit that gold mine uh, for your keepers. So I think the kind of the worst thing to do in that type of format is to spread the risk and get a bunch of like fifteen twenty dollar guys, just because the keeper price the following year if they hit isn't that great. So uh, definite stars and scrubs. And it did feel weird saying uh, 52 for, for Springer um, last year in that league, I took trout for 70. So um, that did not work out finished third because of that, but uh, not, not bitter at all. That's why it's so fun. How different leagues are out there. How many different yep. leagues are out there? It's crazy. Cause I don't, I don't do very many auctions. I haven't done an auction play in a couple of years. I still follow them cause I can understand, you know, dollar values and, and transitioning them over. I think you learn a lot from that, from a dollar value. 
scenario. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I like the Stars and Scrubs seems to be the way to go more often than not. But it's not for everybody if you don't know the scrubby part of things. Let's put it that yep. way. Yep, you got to put in, got to put in the work on the scrubs to to make sure that at least some of those guys work out. Um, final question we have here: Little Book of Calm asks, "When do we see McKenzie Gore on the twenty six man? Does he come up as a starter? We kind of hit on him earlier. Um, for first off, you get twenty eight guys to start the season, uh, and the Padres are going to be hurting for pitching. And I think if he has one more good start like we've seen so far this year, this spring." I think they got to start him up there. That's my 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 two cents, but what do you say? I feel like two things could happen if he makes the 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 major league roster. And I kind of hit on the first one, which is like San Diego could go for a six-man rotation. The other thing that could happen, I talked about this a little bit with the schedule, is maybe Mackenzie Gore is that kind of long man in the middle of, mm-hmm. of, of games, and maybe they piggyback. Um, like a Blake Snell, who, like I said, is only probably going to go three, four innings his first couple starts. Do you do you piggyback him with Mackenzie Gore? And then at that point, Mackenzie Gore, just because the chances for a win are so great, uh, becomes really interesting. But um, Gore is pitching his way in onto the roster, especially with expanded rosters. I I think he'll be there and and probably in one of those two roles, either the the six starter role or a long man. And the last thing that I'll say too, with like with six starters, like those guys always end up getting jobs. Like Tyler McGill for the Mets was the sixth starter. And when they traded for Bassett for Chris Bassett, like McGill's stock dropped and uh, you know, five chances for pitcher injuries ahead of you. Like those six starters always get, get a shot. It's just a matter of when. So um, yeah, super interested to see what, what Gore does, but I I feel like he's going to start on the team um, in one of those two roles. Yeah, that, that's, I'm with you there. I think at worst he starts on the team. How it gets worked out is the question. But you also hit on something else. There's like we make fun of – we used to make fun of like the Dodgers and stuff. Oh, they have like nine starting pitchers. What are they going to do? Injuries happen in bunches. Like everybody's oh, yeah. going to get their shot at some point in time. It's just when. Are they still on your roster? How much do you have to fab them for? Those are the fun questions. Like as a Giants fan, I've already said it. You can literally see all five guys having one or two stents on the IL, even if it's just for maintenance because that's how all their pitchers are all – Strong pitchers, but Wood, Cobb, even Webb, you just go through that rotation. You're hoping for like 150 to 160. If you can get that, you're you're over the moon, and that requires time on the IL. You see a lot of teams do that. That's just the the brass tacks of it all, and that's where guys like Gore and others will, will come in and get their shot. So uh, yeah, we'll see how that one pans out. And the last thing, too, and I just thought of this because you were saying that with the rule changes is for the pitchers, it's a 10-day IL to start, but then mm-hmm. it goes to 15-day. I, I believe in May. Um, I could be wrong right. on the timing of it, but I know they're starting pitchers on the 10-day IL um, early and then 15. So we'll see if that 15-day IL, bringing that back, that's going to be interesting to see. How they um, I mean, mess with that, yeah. Yep, to see who still messes with. How uh, many guys go on the IL like the April 28th or something? <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a mass return like yes. on May 7th. Um, yeah, they all like, be surprised. You guys all get a breather, and we'll see you in a bit. Yeah, replacement players for the first week of May. Well, it's like it's like something I've kind of not focused too much on, but it could be a real thing, especially if you're on an AL East team. I, I heard Trevor May on the Chris Rose rotation talking about it today because the Mets don't have to go to Toronto, but they're talking about how the New York situation changed with uh, COVID vaccines and everything. And um, he says they don't know how players will do it because players lose their paycheck if they aren't able to play, which I guess the union's already fighting, of course. But um, I guess they're trying to find ways to do like, 
you're going to see like random bereavements when players go to Toronto and stuff because technically you're not allowed to talk about medical issues. So pay attention if you have a player coming like another fab thing you can think about. If you have a team going to Toronto in the coming weeks, pay attention to that. That could get fun. Another Texas thing Rangers three to at about. Toronto this weekend. So yeah, so yeah, we'll see what happens there. That could be another just like oh geez, here we go again moment. Yeah. But uh, something we'll, we'll all have to deal with. But on that note, Ryan, episode two is in the books. Final thoughts as we are like a week this time next week. Like it'll be highlight night. Like all the highlights yeah. are going to be network right now. Cannot wait. Like episode three is going to be opening day. Um, I guess I should have realized this earlier, but opening day and, and the Masters are the same day. And Tiger Woods. Like, and yeah, all the hoopla around a potential Tiger return. Episode three is going to be fun. Might have to sneak in a little bit of little bit of golf talk. We'll see. Uh, maybe People are used to that by now with me. Like you kind of get, it happens. It gets it gets pigeonholed in. That's how it works. Absolutely stoked for it. And and yeah, like episode three, we'll be talking about games and who went deep and who went who looked good in their first start. And I absolutely cannot wait for that. Yeah, it'll be like the old NFL phrase: overreaction Mondays. It'll be overreaction Thursday night. We are going to oh, yeah. have way too much fun with and and how bad some of our teams are already because somebody got shelled, like Garrett Cole only went two innings or something. Like it's all going to happen. Something crazy. Just how many blown saves? Like it's going to be great. It, it's, it's the beauty of this yeah. game. Like and it's funny the transition from draft season to the season like everything looks so good right now uh you know you draft a team you love everyone you drafted it's all gonna go to hell uh very soon and you just got to adapt it's a it's a it's a beautiful game uh just be ready for it because yeah like you said maybe cole gets rocked maybe Degrom's out till may like who knows um it's 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 quite the ride yeah, one of my new favorite gifts I use the buckle up gift. Just buckle up. Yep. <laughs> it's about yep. to get fun. But on that note, we will wrap things up. Everybody, check out Ryan on Twitter at RyanBHQ. I'm at BDentric. Thanks for listening again. We'll be back with you guys next week, like Ryan said, with some real baseball to talk about. Catch y'all later. Yeah.